When the messengers of John were departed, John the Baptist, he began to speak unto the people, this is Jesus, began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? The Lord asked him, now when you came out to see John the Baptist preaching, when you come out here to see some guy that just flowed with every, you know, every wind of doctrine? Did he just, was he just a weak guy? Do you come out here to see somebody standing strong like an oak tree? Verse 25, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. He goes, what did you come out to see way out in the wilderness? you come out to see some guy, that's little, some weed that's blown around, some weakling? Or do you come out here to see a strong oak? you come out here to see somebody who's dressed in gay apparel, dressed in a, this great looking suit and looking nice and clean cut and a big smile? Or do you come out here to see somebody kind of rough? What did you come out here to see when you went out to see John the Baptist? That's a good question. Verse 26, well, what went you out for to see? A prophet? That's why they went out to see John the Baptist. See, the truth was is John the Baptist was preaching, and he was preaching it hard, and he was preaching it good, and there's never been a better preacher than John the Baptist. And everybody, the word was getting out that there's a man out in the wilderness that was wearing a camel skin, and it was eating uh, honey and locusts and was living wild, but man, this guy could preach. And he's saying, did y'all go out there to see a guy that was dressed really nice, that was real soft-spoken? Or did you go out there to see this oak tree, this guy that was a prophet? Is that what you went out to see? Well, that's what you got. That's what Jesus is saying here in verse 26. But what were you out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And that's what John the Baptist did. He prepared the way for Jesus Christ. Verse 28, for I, this is Jesus speaking, for I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. There's some great men in the world. There's some great women in the world, but there's nobody greater than somebody who makes their way up into the kingdom of heaven with Jesus Christ. And that's all of us in here if you're saved. You're greater than John the Baptist. He said there's nobody greater, no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to come to you humbly, Lord God. And Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. And Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will lead God, direct us, move among us, Lord God. Help us to understand John the Baptist and his preaching, Lord God, what he had to say, Lord. Help us to sink in, Lord God. Help us to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord. That's what we're here for this morning, Lord. We want to, we want to be better ambassadors for you, Lord God, better witnesses, better evangelists, Lord. We just want to be uh, better all-around Christians, Lord. And I pray, Father, through your word, Lord God, you'd cleanse us and wash us and help us to get there. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So now turn to, John th turn to Luke chapter 3. Excuse me. Luke chapter 3. So I'm going to show you some of the, what made John the Baptist such a great preacher. <laughs> oh, I love old John the Baptist. What made John the Baptist a great preacher? That's what I want to preach on this morning. The great preaching of John the Baptist. The first thing I want to point out to you is that he was a Baptist. He was a Baptist preacher. Can you get an amen out of that? Y'all against those, those Baptists? Now, y'all know that's not true. The, the, <laughs> he wasn't a Baptist in the sense that we think of as a Baptist. You say, well, why, why are we called Baptists? We're called Baptists because they called us Baptists. Because our forefathers, we were Bible believers that didn't believe in children being baptized. We believed in what they called, what we would call believer's baptism. 
And that was going directly against the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church believes they take a little child, a little baby, they sprinkle it, they baptize it, and then it's into the church, it's into the kingdom. And we know the Bible says the church is the body of Christ. It has nothing to do with the building. It has nothing to do with the religious institution. And the Baptists, we preached against that. And they started calling us anti-Baptists. Anabaptists. We were against baptism, but not against baptism per se for a believer, but baptism the way the church at that time, the Roman Catholic Church was teaching it. And then that evolved into calling us anti-pedio-baptists, against pedio children, against child baptism. And then eventually that was all shortened down to you Baptist. It was a, it was a derogatory term. And it's like a lot of us do. We're like, oh, I'll, I'll just take that. If you want to call me a bad name, that's what I am. I'm a Baptist. That's why we're called Baptists. But the truth is, John was a Baptist. He was going forth baptizing Israel, getting them ready for Jesus Christ. And we'll find out what kind of preacher he was there in Luke chapter 3. Let's start there at verse 2 to skip over all those long names and names I don't know how to pronounce anyway. Luke chapter 3, verse 2. Ananias and Sapphira being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Of course, that's John the Baptist. Verse 3. And he came into all the country about Jordan. And this is the first thing I want to point out about John the Baptist. Preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The first thing you need to know about John the Baptist's preaching was he focused on the Word of God. He preached first and foremost the Word of God. He's quoting the Word of God while he's preaching there. Any preacher worth his salt should be preaching the Word of God. These, these, I'm going to give you five points here. These five points about John the Baptist preaching is everything I strive for. And I fall and I falter sometimes, but everything, any good preacher, any good evangelist, anybody who's preaching the Word of God, they should strive for John the Baptist preaching. Why? Because Christ said there's nobody greater than John the Baptist. We were talking about, me and Joker were talking about this this morning. He was talking about this great preacher he was listening to, and it sounded like a great preacher. And there's been some great preachers, Billy Graham, Dwight L. Moody, Billy Sunday, I can go on and on, Dr. Ruckman. There's been some great preachers. I've heard them personally with my, about, with my own ears. But listen, guys, there's been nobody greater than John the Baptist. And the first thing you notice about him, he's pointing out the Word of God. He's preaching the Word of God. Look at verse 7. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? <laughs> oh, man. Woo. Well, how would y'all like that? Y'all come on up here. Come and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then somebody says, I think I'll do that. And they come walking down the aisle and I'm like, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? You think I'm rough. This guy right here is pretty rough. Love this. But let's look at this again. What you're going to find out was that John the Baptist was in your face and he didn't mind stepping on your toes. Amen. I love that kind of preaching. I love that kind of preaching. I don't like the Joe Osteen preaching. I don't like some of these preachers I hear on TV. They're so soft. They're so kind. They're all caring and sharing. And that's just not me. I, I want somebody who's aggressive. I want the militant attitude. I want the Christian soldier. I want, the, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Just give it to me. You don't have to put sugar on it. Just give it to me. Just give it to me. And that's what John the Baptist is like. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers! 
who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Well, he's getting on them. He said, Why are you coming up here just to get baptized? You need to do something that proves you believe what you're doing. That's why a lot of preachers feel. A lot of preachers, uh, I've, heard, I've heard pastors say, if, if half of my congregation was saved, I'd be happy. I mean, that's a sad testimony. That's, you, know why, you know why a preacher would say that about his people? Because he's not seeing fruit. He's seeing people come in, it's a social gathering, then they're leaving. Now, in a small church like this, I know every one of y'all pretty, pretty good, pretty intimately. I know y'all have a good relationship with Jesus Christ. But when you get into these bigger churches, you get into these 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 1,000. Can you think of how many lost people are going over to Joe Osteen's church and when it's got 5,000 people there? You say, you really think there's a lot of lost people going to Joe Osteen's church? Brothers and sisters, you can't preach this word of God and not offend somebody. And if you're, if you're preaching the word of God, you're either going to get saved or get right. Amen. Or you're going to not feel good about yourself. You're going to feel bad about yourself. That's okay. If you leave here and you're saying, man, I just don't, I, there's something I need to get right. That's right. There's lots of things I need to get right. There's some things in here I'm like, Lord, I don't want to preach this. Because it goes against me. And I know it goes against you. But that's the way John the Baptist preached. He didn't mind, he didn't mind stepping on your toes. I mean, that, that's some wild preaching right there. Look at verse 9. Now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. He's saying you need to get right with God. You need to do what's right by God. He's going to throw you into hell. That's those hellfire brimstone preachers. Everybody complain. People complain about them to me, and I'm like, that's what I want to hear. I don't get it. I mean, but they do. They're like, oh, that guy out there. It's, they're, they're telling me about some preacher. He got the, he's one of those hellfire brimstone preachers. I'm like, Amen. And they looked at me like, well, what's wrong with you? I'm like, amen. I mean, I, when's he preaching? I'll come out there and hear him. I want to hear somebody that, that tells you the truth, that gives it to you like it is. Man, I'd love to have been under John the Baptist preaching as long as he didn't look at me when he's preaching. <laughs> amen. Y'all been around some of them preachers. Man, I've been around them, man. And you, you, the kids will be sitting in the back, and he'll stop everything and say, Susie, you got something you want to share with the whole church? You know, it's just embarrassing. I mean, you ever been around preachers like that? Y'all boys back there, y'all be quiet back there. Man, that's embarrassing. Man, It's embarrassing to be around a preacher like that that's not afraid to call you out, not afraid to show you what it's like. We need more like that. John the Baptist was like that. Verse 10. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? So the third thing you need to know about his preaching was he gave good, godly advice. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? If we're supposed to be, do this fruit, what, are we, what kind of works are we supposed to do? Verse 11. He answered and saith unto them, he that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also the publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? They want to do fruits. He said unto them, Expect, Exact no more than that which is appointed unto you. That's what a publican was known for. A publican was known for saying, knowing that, hey, they're supposed to, get, they're supposed to take a dollar from you, so they take a dollar fifty. And then to give the dollar to the Roman government and to take the 50 cents and pocket it for themselves. That's what the publicans were known for doing. And John's saying, exact no more than that which is appointed unto you. Only take what you're supposed to take. Verse 14, and the soldiers likewise demanded of him, you see this? You got publicans, which would basically be like we would call them bankers, uh, lawyers, you got, uh, you got first ones that come up to him. You have other, just regular old people asking him. You've got publicans. You've got soldiers. 
it's a, all kinds of different types of people here. This, this is a congregation of people who come to hear John the Baptist. It's a diverse group of people. It's, not just, it's a working man. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a banker type of guy. It's a blue collar. It's a white collar. Every kind of man came to hear John the Baptist. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. And look at the end of verse 14. And be content with your wages. Man, I don't like that. I just want to take my pen and mark that out of my Bible. Because nobody, nobody's content with their wages. We all want to make more. We're like soldiers, always complaining and griping about what we're making. We could make more. John says, be content with it. John the Baptist. Verse 15, and as the people were in expectation. So they're, they're really getting to like John the Baptist. Here's this, he's, he's an astounding, astounding preacher. He's giving them the word. He's preaching hard. He's on fire. He's doing all these things. Verse 15, but he does this very important thing. Verse 15, and as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John. See, they're all thinking on John and how great he is. Whether he were the Christ or not, they're like, this guy's such a great preacher. This guy's telling us like it is. Maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is the Christ that we read about in the Old Testament that the scholars have told us about. John does something very important in verse 16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. The latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. I can't even untie this guy's shoes. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Guys, what he's saying is he's putting the focus on Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, the, the pastor, that's real easy for a preacher to get this way. Real easy for a pastor to get this way. He gets puffed up. He gets puffed up. He starts thinking he's something really special. He starts thinking he's really special. And he forgets that it's all about Jesus Christ. And the only reason it works is because Christ is in him, working through him, through the Holy Spirit. And guys, there's been times where I've got puffed up. And you get up here to preach. And man, the Lord says, okay, today I'm going to take the Holy Spirit away from you and not let him work in you. And boy, that's a weird feeling. You can't, you, you can't get down around off of here back, quick enough. That's a bad, that's a real bad feeling. You're like, man, I just got to get out of here. It's, so, it's like unbelievable. I had a, a black preacher friend of mine. I was asking him about preaching and asking him some advice about preaching. He goes, well, let me tell you this, son. Oh, Jesse Turner. Jesse Turner told me, let me tell you about something. Let me tell you something about this, son. He said, if there's nothing worse than getting up to preach and being a hypocrite. I'm like, really? He goes, there's nothing worse than getting up to preach and being a hypocrite. You know what? He's right. He's exactly right about that in every way. Jesse Turner was right. Good advice. But the point is, John the Baptist was putting the focus on Jesus Christ. He wouldn't let him get, himself get too high and mighty. wouldn't let himself get puffed up. It wasn't turning into the Kenneth Copeland ministries or the Jimmy Swaggart ministries. Jimmy Swaggart was a good preacher. Could sing like nobody's business. But man, you get puffed up, you get puffed up, and then the devil will come in and just destroy you. John the Baptist has some wisdom there. He says, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. You've got to stay humble and put your focus back on Jesus Christ. The end of verse 16, he shall, Christ shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That fire is not the Holy Spirit. That fire is burning fire of hell. He's going, to put some, he's going to immerse some of you in the Holy Ghost. Some of you, baptism means immerse. He's going to immerse some of you into the Holy Spirit. Some of you, some of you are going to be immersed into fire. He's going to throw some of you in the fire. Is that what he's saying? Look at the very next verse. Verse 17, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner, being baptized with the Holy Ghost. But the chaff 
He will burn with fire unquenchable. Hellfire preaching. Hey, some of y'all are going to go to heaven. Some of y'all are going to go to hell. The world don't like that kind of preaching. <laughs> they want it to be humanistic. Everybody just needs to get along. Everybody needs to get better. Everybody, everybody. No, it's all about Christ. Put your focus on Christ. He's coming. And if you're not right with Him, He's going to throw you in hell. But if you're right with Him, He'll gather you up like wheat. If not, He's going to be like the chaff. He'll just throw you into an unquenchable fire. That's some, that's some hard preaching. But that's good preaching. Man, that's some good preaching. Look at verse 18. Here's something else. The last thing I want to show you about his preaching. Then we'll move on. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. Look what he does next. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Now another, I don't have the time to turn there, but another part of the Bible, what he's talking about there, another part of the Bible, Herod had took his brother Philip's wife and took her as his wife. And John the Baptist, what he did is he sat out there and he waited till Herod comes by and her, his little chariot and he says, Hey, you're wicked. That's evil. You shouldn't be having her. She sat there right there with him. That's wicked. Y'all are wicked. <laughs> That's pretty brave. Because you know what happened? He threw him in jail for that. Shows that John the Baptist is not a respecter of persons. It don't matter if you're the king of England or the president of the United States. When, you, when you, somebody's in there and you're preaching, you're supposed to preach it. Amen. That's why I, 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 this is the truth. I don't know who tithes what. I don't want to know who tithes what. I don't want to know if one of y'all tithes a million dollars or one of y'all doesn't give a red cent. I don't care. I don't care about that. I don't want to know about that. I don't let Linda tell me. I let the secretary take care of all of that. Because I don't want to know any of that. Because when I get up here, I want not to be a respecter of persons. I want to be able to preach it and preach it. And if you leave, then I'm like, well, I guess they just didn't like the church. God willing, maybe they'll find a better church they like or whatever. And I don't want to come up here and go, oh, no, they left. How are we going to pay the bills? They were our biggest tither. I should have not made them mad. No, I should not be a respecter of persons. John the Baptist wasn't a respecter of persons. If that had been anybody else, he'd have said the same things. You're wicked. You should repent of that. And it got John the Baptist thrown in jail. What happened to John the Baptist? He got his head cut off. By who? That same woman he pointed his finger at. Because Herod was there, her daughter danced in front of him, and Herod, whatever you want to have in my kingdom. So she went to her mama, Mama, what should I ask for? So she, her being a nice, sweet, kind lady said, I want John the Baptist's head on a charger. Why does she want John the Baptist's head on a charger? Because he preached something she didn't like. You're wicked, you need to repent. So Herod wasn't happy about it, but off with his head. John the Baptist was a great preacher. Turn to John chapter 1. Turn to John chapter 1. I'm going to show you three things he preached and do it quickly. I'm going to show you three things he preached that I love about John the Baptist's preach. There's a lot of it, but I'm going to focus on three things. It's always going to be there in John, Gospel of John. We're going to start with Gospel of John chapter 1. And these are the actual words of John the Baptist's preaching. I, I want to focus on these. What a great preacher. John chapter 1, look at verse 29. First and foremost. First and foremost. John chapter 1, verse 29. Let's start with the first one. The next day John, that would be John the Baptist, 
John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. That's good preaching. John the Baptist preached Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. John the Baptist preached that Jesus Christ was going to take away your sins. When John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, every Jew knew what he meant. You might not know what he meant. Every Jew knew what he meant because every Jew understood what he meant was that Jesus Christ was the Passover lamb that took away the sins of the world. What do you mean, Pastor? In the Exodus, they had the lamb and God says, I'm going to come, I'm going to destroy all the firstborn. If you're a firstborn, I'm going to kill you. The only way you're going to get out is you take a lamb, you take this precious lamb, you bring it in, you let it live with you for a little while. Then you're going to cut that lamb's throat. You're going to let that, that blood bleed out into a basin. You take that blood. You put it on the doorpost of the door. You put it on the top of the doorpost. You get inside the other side of this door. And then when the death angel passes over, he'll see the blood. It'll be a token between me and you. And the death angel will pass over and you'll be safe if you're in that door. And Exodus, Exodus happened. Here comes the death angel. They put the blood over and he passed over. If you didn't have the blood on the door, you were killed if you were a firstborn. Behold the Lamb of God. If you'll get the blood of Jesus Christ put on, it don't matter what you are. If you'll get in that door, you'll be saved. If you're a murderer, if you're a rapist, if you're whatever sinner kind of sinner you are, the worst kind of sinner in the world, the least kind of sinner in the world, you, but you've got to get in the door. Because if you're outside the door, you're going to get it. So when he says, behold the Lamb of God, they look to him like, whoa, he's taken away the sin of the world. What an amazing thing to preach. One of the greatest, most bold statements of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the whole gospel by all of the disciples. He says, Behold the Lamb of God. How strong a statement is that? When we get to the book of Revelation, when, when God's throne is up there and John, is, John, the disciple, is seeing God's throne and all the wonders of it and nobody can open up the seven-sealed book and nobody can do anything. Here comes something from God's throne and guess what it is? It's a lamb as if he had been slain, shows forth. That's a great type. It was revealed to John by the Holy Spirit, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the Lord. Well, that's great preaching. Great preaching. Paul went on to say, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He is our Passover. Because when we get the blood of Jesus Christ put on us, God sees that and he passes right over. You know what happens when God sees that blood on Keegan Hall? He says, Keegan Hall deserves death. And he goes, oh, well, death's already been there. He's going to pass on over. He's going to go looking for somebody else. I've already died in Jesus Christ. Have you paid for your sins? Yes, in Jesus Christ. My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ paid it all. He paid for my sins. Look at John chapter 3. Let's move on to another thing he preached about. And I'm going to get done quick. John chapter 3, verse 25. Here's another one. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples. That's John the Baptist. He had his own disciples. And the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. I'm talking about Jesus. Now the Bible says 
goes on to say that Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were baptizing. So they were pulling disciples away from John the Baptist. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Amen. It all comes from the Lord. The Lord does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Verse 28, Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He said, I told you I'm not the Christ. Follow him. He's the Christ. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Are you part of the bride? Amen. Then you belong to Christ, the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, that would be John the Baptist, be all the Old Testament saints, which standeth and heareth him, heareth Christ, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He goes, I'm just happy I'm getting to be around the bridegroom. Verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. I want to focus on that. Guys, right there, verse 30 is one of the greatest statements for living the Christian victorious life. Do you want to live a victorious Christian life? I've always strived for that. I've always strived to be a better Christian. I've always strived to try to do what I can do better for the Lord. And in that striving, I've tried to increase. I've tried to take myself and decrease myself. I've tried to say, okay, I've got to stop doing this, and I've got to stop doing that, and I've got to decrease my flesh, and I've got to whip my flesh down, and I've got to do this in my flesh. But that's not the, pro the proper order. The proper order for a victorious Christian life is found there in verse 30. Preached to us by John the Baptist. He must increase, but I must decrease. The proper order is Jesus Christ, you start increasing Jesus Christ in your life, then I'll start decreasing myself. The, the improper order, the wrong way to do it is to say, I'm going to decrease myself first, and then I'll allow Christ to come in and start cleaning me up and doing those things. It don't work. Number one, I've tried it. It doesn't work. Number two, that's called self-reformation. It doesn't work. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to clean you up. If you're out here this morning, or you're listening to me, and you're thinking, I want to be a Christian, I want to get saved, but I've got to stop doing this, I've got to stop doing that, I've got to stop smoking and drinking and, and cussing, and I've got to stop doing that, or whatever sin it is, I don't know what it is between you and the Lord. Let me tell you some really, really good advice. Don't worry about your sin. You just come to Jesus Christ the way you are and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sorry, rotten, no good sinner. I don't even know if I can even stop half of the sins I'm doing, but I don't want to go to hell. And I know you said you'd save me if I asked. Will you please save me? In the name of Jesus Christ, please save me. And he'll save you. And an amazing thing will happen. He'll come in and start living in you. And the Holy Spirit will start living in you, and what will happen is He'll start cleaning you up. And He will clean you up, and He, through His power, will help you stop doing some of the things you do. I know a brother that was a horrible cusser, got saved, never cussed another day in his life. Just, just like that, the Lord took it from him. Some brothers and sisters, we fight that all our life. The point is, is you must let Him increase, but I must decrease. The, pro the proper order is, He's increasing then you start decreasing. Let him, start making him an important part of your life. And then you'll, be no, you'll notice your flesh will start getting down. Verse 30, he must increase. He's got to. There's no other option. He's got to, guys. He must increase. But I must decrease. The more he increases, the less you'll be there. 
And that's what we all want. We want a Christ life, and we want not a Keegan life. But he must increase. You bring him up, you glorify him, you, it's all about him, you'll, be, you'll notice the stuff about you starts falling away. There's only so much time in the day. <laughs> you only have so much brain power. You only have so much energy, so much strength. You only can do so much, but if you focus on Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life, you'll be amazed how you'll automatically start decreasing. You're not even trying. Because there's only so much time. He must increase, but I must decrease. To get rid of darkness, to get rid of darkness, you don't change the darkness. To get rid of darkness, you don't go into a room that's dark and say, okay, well, I've got to change this darkness. What do you do to get rid of darkness? You turn on the light. Turn the light switch on. Guys, darkness, which is us, right? Which is our life. The sin in our life is darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness isn't a... It, darkness isn't, a, isn't some substantial thing that you can grab a hold of. Darkness is simply, there's no light there. And we need light. And Jesus Christ came in and said, I am the light of the world. So if you want your darkness to go away, you don't say, okay, well, I'm going to start changing up this darkness and I'm going to start doing this to myself. and start doing, No, 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 stop that. That's not the right kind of way of thinking. He must increase, but I must decrease. Say, if you want to get rid of this darkness, you better turn that light on. So it's not very bright. Well, you get it, better get it, let it get brighter. Open up the curtains. Open up the shades. Let the light in. And it'll take care of a lot of that darkness. Look at John chapter 3. Look at verse 19. Same chapter, verse 19. And this is the condemnation. This is Jesus Christ speaking. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There we go. What's wrong with the world? They don't like the light. They want to stay in darkness. But as Christians, we know that darkness is wrong. We know that darkness is not what God pleases God. So we want the light. So how do you get the light? You allow the light to increase in you. Pray, Lord, fill me with... I know I've got the Holy Spirit in me, Lord, but fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, be more in me. That these deeds will go away. Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Now you know why the, Lord hate, why the world hates the Lord Jesus Christ. You know there's three things called light in the Bible? There's three things called light. Number one, Jesus Christ. Number two, God the Father. Number three, the Word of God. It's a light of my path and a lamp of my feet. All three of them are the same. You're almost holding up the Lord right here. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The light, the Bible, the light, Jesus Christ, the light, God the Father. They hate that. They hate it, the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Maybe you're not allowing Jesus Christ to work in your life because you don't want to be reproved. And that's okay. We're stubborn. We're, we're wicked. But you've got to focus on putting him in there. He'll help clean it up. But verse 21 is what we need to focus on. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. 
The main, the main theme of what Jesus Christ was talking about there was light and darkness and deeds. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 tells us, For whatsoever we do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So anything we do, be it word or deed, we need to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to increase. This is how you're going to increase Jesus Christ. You're going to increase Him in your words. By praying about, praying to Him, talking to Him all through the day. Brother Ronnie Hoggett, he tells me that all the time. And I know some of y'all have told me this too, but y'all don't just pray to Jesus Christ in the morning and at night and maybe over your meal. Y'all talk to him while you're, on the, while you're on, on the tractor, while you're driving down the road. A lot of us at work, we'll be at work, and I'll be saying, Lord, I just appreciate you doing that. Or I'll see the sun come up, and i say, Lord, that's a beautiful sunset. That's so beautiful. It, just talking to the Lord. You increase Jesus Christ in your conversation. Don't be afraid to mention Jesus Christ in your daily conversation with your family, with your coworkers, with your loved ones at the grocery store. Man, the Lord should have given us a beautiful day. Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, He's done a lot for me. That's how He increases. Increase in your words. He must increase in your deeds. Simply put, you just need to keep your eyes on Jesus. What do we know about Peter. When Peter stepped out of that boat and walked on water, one of the amazing miracles of the Bible, he started walking on water to Jesus. He walked on water because he kept his eyes on Jesus. But as soon as he looked at the world and seen the waves and seen the wind and said, I'm not supposed to be doing this, he started sinking down because he took his eyes off Jesus. Simply put, keep your eyes on Jesus. Here's the great truth, guys. The more you do for Jesus Christ, in deed, in word, is the less time you have to do for yourself. It's, just, it's, it's a time thing. If you spend your time around Christians, around the church, doing stuff for Jesus Christ, talking about Jesus Christ, there's a lot less time for you to do things for yourself. Therefore, he must increase, I must decrease. The greatest joy I've ever had in my life is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest joy. And if you don't have joy in your life, you need Jesus Christ. Start serving Him. Let's finish up by going back to verse 31. of John chapter 3, verse 31. Let's close up. He that cometh from above is above all. This is John the Baptist preaching again. John the Baptist preaching again. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. See, you want to have a heavenly home? We talk about heaven. We want to have that heavenly outlook. Well, you've got, you got to talk about the man that's up in heaven, Jesus Christ. You want to have joy? Who's joy? Jesus Christ. You want to talk about having grace and mercy? That's Jesus Christ. You want to talk about truth? That's Jesus Christ. All this other stuff you talk about is of the earth. It's earthly. Right? That's what he's saying in verse 31. He that comes from above is above all. Verse 32, And what ye had seen and heard, that he testified, and no man received this testimony. See, he's only telling you what he's heard from the Father, and seen of the Father. But look at verse 33, He that hath received his testimony hath said to his seal that God is true. If you receive Jesus Christ and what he said and believe in what he said, what you're saying is God is true. If not, you're calling God a liar. I said this at the... Uh, 
at the graveside funeral, I, I said this at the graveside funeral, I said, some of y'all, because I was talking about resurrection, I was talking about the body, about Sister Alice coming back up, and I said, some of y'all are probably thinking, do you really believe all this stuff? And my answer to that is, I can't believe you don't believe this stuff. It's so real to me. I mean, this stuff's real to me. Well, why is it so real to you? Maybe because Christ has increased in my life. And the more he increases in your life, your eyes start looking up. <laughs> you start looking toward heaven. Because if you're of the earth, you're going to be looking down. But if you're, the, if you're looking at the heavenly, you're looking up at Jesus Christ. Verse 34, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by, him, by measure unto him. Verse 35, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. It's all about Jesus Christ. Now finally, and most importantly, the last thing I want to point out that John preached, it was so good. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Amen. If there's, if there's only one thing I was able, if you give me just, you can only say like six words or seven words, that would be them. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It's about Jesus Christ, believe on Him. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. He said Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God come to take the sin of the world. That's Jesus Christ. He said once you're saved, once you know Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, once you're saved, he must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, make it all about Christ. Christ first, you last. And then finally he said, if you believe on Christ, Jesus Christ, you believe on him, he'll give you everlasting life. If not, hell's waiting. The wrath of God abideth on you. Abideth. That's where people get it wrong. They think, oh, God is going to get me up there. And I know I'm not a Christian, but God will get me up there and I'll stand before God. I believe there's a God and I'll stand before him and he'll judge me if I've been good or bad. And We'll see what he says to me. No, that's not what God says. God says the, his wrath's on you right now. This moment. That's why we preach it. That's why we preach it. We don't preach works. I don't preach, I don't preach, hey, I want you to go and do this and go do that. Go climb a mountain. I, we don't preach works. What we're preaching is you get saved in Jesus Christ. Take the wrath of God off of you. You'll get the joy and peace of God. It's hard to explain it unless you've had it. And then from there, you work from the cross because you love Him. Not because you're, you're trying to get to heaven. You work to the, from the cross. You come to the cross to get saved, and then you leave the cross saved, happy, and joyful, and you say, He's going to increase in my life. And somebody might say, Why is He so important to increase in your life? Because He saved me, and He's worthy of everything we do. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him